is Express FM. Supported by Southern Co-op. We are passionately pumping. Begins, look forward, work together to create a Portsmouth football club that we can all be proud to be associated with. Pure, unadulterated pumping. It's a massive club, it's a massive opportunity for me. I know this atmosphere is special. I can't wait to see you at Full House and it rocking. Action and reaction. This is huge football club. We're here to be hopefully successful. The infrastructure is changing, so really we want to start pushing forward and making Portsmouth a real force. Giving Pompey fans a voice. It's a club with a rich tradition, a rich heritage, but one that has an excellent relationship with its supporters. This is the Football Hour. The one team that stands out that's historic, that's had great success, that has a fan base that is amazingly passionate, is Portsmouth. Too little, too late once again for Pompey as Charlton Athletic became the latest side to put the Blues to the sores. Curtis to drive to the penalty area, square ball, Jacobs in the box, Jacobs chance, and has he scored? Yes! Portland have got one back, it's Portland 1, Charlton 2. Michael Jacobs came off the bench to pull one back for Pompey last night, but it just wasn't enough to overcome the addicts at Fratton Park. Head coach Danny Carley was unimpressed with the way his side failed to switch on when it mattered the most. You know, you have to play for 90 minutes. We didn't do that. They scored with probably their first attempt on goal. And then our response after conceding was nowhere near what it needs to be. We have to be more resilient in the moment. Tonight, we'll also hear from deadline day signing Aidan O'Brien, who believes the move is perfectly suited for him. The football you guys play is absolutely the type of football I want to be involved in. Um, you're getting passing around, you know, you go direct, you, you've got runners and got energy and um, you create a lot of chances. So that's perfect for my game. Frankie Rudland and Sam Cox alongside me until 7 o'clock this evening with plenty to stick our teeth into. So, without further ado, let's do it. You're listening to 93.7 Express FM and this is the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. A very good evening and once again welcome to the Football Hour here on Express FM, driven to you this season by Stagecoach across the South. Head to their website, stagecoachbus.com for more information on fares, timetables and you can locate your nearest stop as well. Well, you may be wondering why it is a Tuesday night and you can hear the Football Hour music. Well, of course, due to the game last night at Fratton Park, the rearrangement of the visit of Charlton Athletic to PO4 for that League One fixture, uh, we had to move the show to this evening. Just for this week, we'll be back to normal as of uh, Friday night and, of course, next Monday as well. As you've just heard, I will be joined alongside this evening until 7 o'clock by Frankie Rudland and Sam Cox. We've got a lot to get into, including a review of last night's 2-1 defeat to the Addicts at Fratton Park, but we'll also be highlighting and recapping the January transfer window for Portsmouth Football Club. Pompey fans back home listening, uh, you can get involved between now and 7 o'clock. All the usual ways, 81400 on the text. Start those with the word express. Email Pompey at expressfm.com. Tweet using at expressfm. Or, of course, you can find us over at facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Let us know all of your honest thoughts from last night's game at Fratton Park and let us know whether or not you think the January transfer window was a success or a failure for Danny Carley's side. But before we get into any of the conversation, we're going to have to revisit last night. Andy Min and Guy Whittingham on the commentary here on Pompey Live. Everything we do is passionately Pompey. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Shoot scores! 90 minutes of passionately Pompey commentary. He scored! This is... You want to believe it! Pompey live. Raggett's got plenty of time and space to bring it forward. Then he goes over the top. It's Hurst onside. Hurst, he's got Hume coming in. Hume into the penalty area. Hume shot just wide of the post. Hume inches away from a debut goal in the opening minutes. Nil-nil. As they go down the right to Harness. He's got it down by the corner flag. He's got Romeo for support. Can Harness get us across it? That's brilliant from Harness into the area. Pulls it back. Heavy touch from Walker. Morel has it. Can he get the shot away? Can Pompey find a way to get an effort on goal? Robertson, well blocked. Here's Blackett Taylor, who originally only got a short-term contract after leaving Tramier. What a great run from Blackett Taylor. Still going into the penalty area. Oh, he's put it just wide. That would have been one of the goals of the season from Corey Blackett Taylor. Charlton warming up a long throw to come in towards the penalty area. And then it's taken short, and Portsmouth weren't really ready for it, and the cross can come into the penalty area. It's a lovely cross, it's loose, and it's put in the net. And Charlton 
have got themselves a lead. I'm not sure who's going to claim it in the end. It was a Nikkei causing all kinds of problems in there. Did his effort go over the line? Washington is the one getting the congratulations. Portsmouth has switched off from a throw. And with 30 minutes on the clock, it's Portsmouth nil. Charlton one. Throw to Charlton down the line. Flicked on infield. This is dangerous in the penalty area. Bazuna needing to make a save. The post fouls Portsmouth out with Gilby beating the keeper, but not the frame of the goal. Here's Matthews on the right wing for Charlton. There's on the overlap with Claire outside the area. Towards the near post, it's an own goal. It's been headed past his own goalkeeper, Gavin Bazunu, by Clark Robertson. Felt he had to play it, had to go at it, under pressure with Washington coming in. And he's diverted it past Gavin Bazunu. And with 65 minutes on the clock, it's Portsmouth nil, Charlton 2. Is Romeo coming down the right-hand side. Harness helping it off. And Curtis to drive to the penalty area. Square ball, Jacobs in the box. Jacobs chance! And has he scored? Yes! Portsmouth have got one back. Michael Jacobs managed to force it past Craig McGilvery, who will feel he should have saved it at the near post. It's Portsmouth 1, Charlton 2. Pompey living dangerously but surviving and now breaking forward. Morel, oh lovely pass, Curtis is through on goal, Curtis drags it well wide of the target. Bit of head tennis, Portsmouth find the ball too, Jacobs to Curtis, opens up for Curtis, that's a really good slide challenge coming in there. Charlton win the ball back and give it straight back to Portsmouth, they're not making it easy for themselves, the visitors, Hume to the edge of the area, Hurst nodding it down, loose in the penalty area, McGilvery collides with his own man, and Raggett puts the ball high over the bar, that will be that. Portsmouth have been beaten 2-1 here at Fratton Park. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. The highlights there from last night at Fratton Park then as Pompey remained 11th in the League One table following a 2-1 defeat Charlton Athletic on home turf. OK, alongside me this evening until 7 o'clock to review that game, I'm delighted to welcome, uh, tuning in from back home this evening, Frankie Rudland onto the show. Frankie, thank you once again for joining us, my friend. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And I was doing very well and having a very good day until you made me relive the events of last <laughs> night. And now my mood has just plummeted again. I do apologise. I, I do apologise. And I apologise to those back home who's just had to uh, relive the last three minutes and 22 seconds of uh, the highlights of last night. Uh, unfortunately, it's got to be done. Uh, we, we've got to sit here and discuss it. And uh, alongside us to do that this evening, uh, making his football hour debut. Delighted to welcome him, uh, Portsmouth News reporter Sam Cox. Sam Delighted to welcome you into the studio, my friend. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I feel very privileged to be sat opposite you, Jake. So let's get stuck into it, uh, Sam. Last night, Pompey defeated 2-1 by Charlton Athletic. Charlton themselves 15th from the table. They had a poor start to the season. They were uh, well, fighting relegation at one stage, sacking Nigel Adkins now under the management of uh, Johnny Jackson. They've turned their season around and full credit to them for doing that. But... At Frasson Park last night, Pompey off the back of four games in the league without a victory. It was a chance for a response, a reaction, time to turn the ship around for Danny Carley. Unfortunately, we didn't quite get that. No, no, we didn't. And as you say, yeah, of course, Charlton were a little bit resurgent. Uh, more importantly, when Johnny Jackson came in straight away as, as caretaker. But their results had also dropped off a little bit since he's been given the, the full-time job. So they were still sitting in the in the bottom half of the league. It's a home game. Pompey, as you say, hadn't won in the league since the turn of the year. So as you say, it was a was a great opportunity to to get everything back on track. Obviously, it was a, another game in succession for the new players. They've obviously bedded in. I'm talking about Hayden Carter and Tyler Walker. We saw a debut for Denver Hume. So there was much to be positive about going into the game, but, but it was just the same old Pompey, really, yesterday. They started off relatively brightly, had a couple of chances, but didn't put those chances away. And then, of course, Charlton take the lead in, in what was a bit of a sucker punch, of course, the, the linesman. I don't know how he's not seen Chucks and EK yeah. standing offside. And, but as you say, one goal down shouldn't knock as much wind out of the sails as it did of Pompey yesterday. And yeah, that, there's a lot there's a lot to be admired and there needs to be a lot of work to, to turn it around at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to, to disagree with what, you know, what Sam's trying to say there, Frankie. But we'll, we'll touch upon it now. We won't re really dwell on it too much because Sam is right in saying that it shouldn't really affect the course of the game. Pompey had plenty of time after that to, to recover. But that first goal... 
offside clear as day I don't know how the linesman hasn't seen that it's not an excuse and we'll hear from Danny Cowley later he emphasises that it is not an excuse for Pompey to play you know quite frankly as poorly as they did in that match but that's a howler it is an absolute howler and I think it typifies quite a lot of the officiating we've seen throughout the course of the season in League One and, and the other leagues around us as well we know EFL referees and, and officials are quite frankly below standard and again last night they showed why because you know, you can see from the still, he's looking right across the line and Jackson EK has his whole body offside. It's it's not just marginal, it's literally his whole body offside. Um, and like you say, it, it was a sucker punch. It definitely was a sucker punch. But I suppose you have to you have to set that as aside as an excuse and look at what happened in the prelim to that. So we missed two great chances beforehand. And then further from that as well, Matthews was, was given acres of space to put that ball in and fantastic save from Bazuna and Washington was obviously on hand to tap it in. It shouldn't have stood, but there were so many chances for us to have kind of changed the course of the game before we have to rely on, on officials making correct calls to, to get through a match. Yeah, and it kind of felt like, Sam, the, the same old story for Pompey this season. As Frankie's alluded to, there plenty of chances in that first half for the Blues to go ahead. Denver Hume uh, with, with a shot in the first, what, three or four minutes. Uh, a fantastic ball from the left-hand side into Marlon Romeo, who is not a finisher. He blasted it over the bar. And, and a few chances after that as well. George Hurst with a, a delightful chip from Joe Morrell into the box. Pompey had chances like they did at the stadium of like the previous week, but unfortunately not taking them yet again has ended up costing them truly dear. Yeah, exactly that. And and as you said, that's kind of been the story of the season so far in terms of the patterns of players. And we saw it at times at Cambridge at the turn of the year, FC Wimbledon as well, especially got two games where they, but they failed to score. And then again, it was the same yesterday. You know, they say good chances are coming their way, but they just fall into not necessarily the wrong men. Obviously, if you're playing in a wing back role, you need to be relatively good going in, into advancing tacking areas but you're not there to, to put the ball in the back of the net I suppose but as you say George Hurst and I feel sorry a little bit for George Hurst because he was building up a, a good bit of momentum before the Covid hit break scoring goals he looked like an all round decent striker at this level and yeah. then the breaks come at the at the wrong time for him and, and for the striking department um, and, and at the moment obviously we're seeing Tyler Walker up there who's, who's been a bit anonymous since his uh, since his first few games for Pompey and it's clear it's going to take him a little time to, to get used to the system and the players around him. But as you say, if any one of those chances goes in, we've seen it, Pompey. If one of them goes in, they usually go yeah. on to, to hold on and, and dominate the game. But as you say, the worrying thing for me was once the goal went in from Charlton, they didn't really create anything clear-cut until Jacobs came onto the pitch and, and he came on with 15 minutes to go and that's just simply not good enough. On the subject of Tyler Walker, Sam, what have you made of his introduction to this Pompey side? I know you mentioned not quite hit the ground running in terms of scoring goals, which is what he was brought in for, but can you see a difference between him and the departing John Marquis and Ellis Harrison? Yeah, definitely. And and I've, I've said it before on, on some of the things that we've been doing at the news, he's the type of striker that Danny Cowley wants and wants for a system. He was talking to us about potentially signing a nine and a half. You know, that's one of <laughs> Danny Cowley's, one of his many, uh, one of his very... Uh, Sound bites, but yeah, and, and as you say, he, he fits that mould probably better than the other two have gone out. Uh, much more mobile striker can link up the play, but also looks to play on the shoulder and can get him behind us. So we just haven't quite seen it yet in terms of him building those relationships with those who are going to be playing the balls into him. And of course, he's got to form that partnership with George Hurst. And they're still two relatively young strikers at this division. I know Walker's obviously played more games, has played games in the championship, scored goals in the championship, and you don't just drop down division and, and lose that ability. So I'm sure in a few weeks' time we'll see the best of Tyler Walker and, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll see him start scoring goals for Pompey, which they desperately need. Fingers crossed. Uh, Harry Woods on Twitter has got in touch. A 2-1 home defeat against Charlton. Very little up front again. More awful defending through their first goal, uh, although it was offside, and us contributing to the opposition, scoring with a Robertson own goal as well. Harry, thank you for your tweet. And before we do head into the first ad break of the night, Frank, I just want to touch upon Denver Hume as well. Uh, his debut for Pompey last night unfortunately uh, on the wrong side of the result we mentioned about how he had an effort in the first three or four minutes just go slightly wide of Craig McGillivray's for his goal fantastic ball in from the left hand side as well apart from those two chances what did you make of his first game in a blue shirt I thought he was one of the, the very few positives from last night to be honest I think we're definitely seeing a young player with plenty of space to grow I think we're definitely seeing a player that's 
far better suited to that left wing back position. Obviously, that is his natural position as opposed to to Lee Brown and Rico Hackett Fairchild. He put in a couple of good balls into the box late on. He was he was positive. He looked to go forward. He found himself in a good position, it, and it was kind of unfortunate for him because I think if it wasn't his debut, I think he probably would have squared that because you you had Tyler Walker and Harness both arriving at the far post. And I think the angle was probably slightly against Hume and he didn't quite get hold of it the way he would have wanted. And if it wasn't his debut and I think he wasn't so keen to, to get off to a good start, I think he probably would have would have registered an assist. So I got promising signs from him. Um, and I think it's just, I'm just glad that we're seeing a, seeing a player that hasn't been too battered from, from some of the parting messages that Sunderland fans aimed at him. Is that something you can get on board with Sam then for Hume? Yeah, definitely. Um, as you say, obviously Sunderland fans weren't too uh, glowing in their in their reviews of him. But prior to his contract dispute in the summer, they were they were ranting and raving about him. So I think you have to take that with a pinch of salt. And from what we saw yesterday, goes to show why Danny Cowley pushed to, to bring him in in January. He is the perfect what I said, perfect balance between Rico Hackett, left wing back, and what Lee Brown produced there. So Brown was more defensive and Hackett better going forward. So you probably get the best balance of them both on that left hand side, and it gives that back three and the back five more balance and, and better going forward. That, that they've probably missed as you say yeah Izzy Jenner's probably absolutely pumping before the ball's been kicked so when that chance falls to him there's no chance he's not going to strike a goal but yeah I've been encouraged by what he's been saying and, and, and he seems like a, a great lad to have in the dressing room and, and from what we saw yesterday I think it'd be a good sign for Pompey going forward yeah okay after the break we'll be hearing from uh, Blues boss Danny Cowley who is not interested in making excuses for his side after their defeat last night assistant referee has, has made a mistake and we, we have to accept that as football I'd rather concentrate on the things I can control and I don't want to come in here and, and make excuses because the truth is we still had a long time in the game to try to respond to it and, and we didn't play well enough Keep getting your messages across to us from back home as well. We'll read some more of those out when we return in a few moments' time. Text Express and your message to 81400, starting those with the word Express. Email Pompey at expressfm.com, tweet using at expressfm, or visit facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Don't go anywhere. Myself, Frankie and Sam will be back before you know it for even more Pompey discussion here on Express FM. This is the Football Hour, 93.7... Express FM. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Football Hour here on Express FM, brought to you this season by Stagecoach Across the South. Straight back to the socials now, then, and uh, got in, getting in touch on the text is uh, Mike T in Crispy Bacon, Sarney Salsi. Good evening to you, Mike. Uh, it says, Hi, Jake, Wayne, lads. I think Michael Jacobs should start the next game, as should Ronan Curtis. Get those balls into a box with a bit more athletic performances needed by Pompey from the starting whistle right through to the final. Teams uh, see to anticipate our build-up of play, including our balls from the back, and stop us in our tracks. We need to be more clinical with our chances up top and testing goalies more often. Pompey can do it, maybe uh, by getting back to the basics and letting our play become more instinctive and sharper. Uh, Mike T in Crispy Bacon, Sarni, Salsi, thank you very much for your text this evening. Uh, Frankie Rudland and Sam Cox alongside me for the show tonight. Frankie, uh, in terms of reading out that text from Mike T and Michael Jacobs, the first uh, point within that message should be starting the game on Saturday. Now, a lot of uh, reaction after the Sunderland match was that Michael Jacobs should be starting the game against Charlton. Well, we will hear again from Danny Cowley in a few moments' time, but the reason being uh, that he was left on the bench was that uh, he, he picked up an illness, he was isolating and only had one training session before the Charlton game. So is that an understandable uh, reason, in your opinion, as to why Michael Jacobs wasn't starting yesterday? Or do you think, given the quality that he's given off the bench recently, that... Perhaps he should have been thrown straight in anyway. It's a really tough one because I think everyone can see that Jacobs without an illness or whatever whatever has been reported is definitely a starter for that Portsmouth team. But the thing that frustrates me the most is Cowley gave the reason of he'd been preparing tactically all week with the team for them to go into that match against Charlton. You know, if the side go out and perform a tactical masterpiece and we can see exactly what Danny Cowley wants from his sides and you know, Hurst, Walker, Harness, the players that, that start ahead of him, if they, if they put into place clearly what you can see from the training ground, then 
then you don't really question it. You say, okay, when Jacobs is fully fit and he's had some training sessions under his belt, then he gets the start. But the fact that we just saw another abject and lost performance makes you really question it because you think that whatever preparation was done just didn't translate to the pitch and it's just been the same story throughout January. So it's hard to defend not starting even a partially fit Michael Jacobs when he comes on and shows more in 10, 15 minutes than players who have been given the lion's share of a game do. Yeah, uh, Mockers on Twitter says Denver Hume made a very good impression on his debut but Tyler Walker never seemed to get into the game and although George Hurst worked hard his finishing is uh, dire sadly according to Mockers on Twitter only when Michael Jacobs came on did we look half decent and, and yes the, the, the point is out there Sam but Michael Jacobs impact off the bench once again uh, proving the difference for Pompey unfortunately again like we said earlier too little too late got to be starting Saturday surely yeah, and I think he will. I think after the Sunderland game, like you say, he um, came off the bench and, and, and was fantastic. And all signs pointed that Cowley was going to start him against Tottenham, and, I, and we believe that he did want to start him. But sometimes you've got to think about player welfare. He's not trained all week. If he's been ill, if he's been harbouring an illness, then maybe he's not quite ready to play the full 90, and he's got to take a longer-term view at it. And as you say, there's probably other players on the pitch against a Charlton who was sitting bottom half of the league that, that should have turned it on and, and they didn't do it so Michael Jacobs for sure will, will, we like to think will be starting against Oxford uh, barring any more uh, mishaps but I think he's been so unlucky Michael Jacobs you know he had a failed move to Ipswich last summer wasn't fit I saw him play in a Hampshire Senior Cup game at Basingstoke in September against non-league opposition and, and he just didn't look on, on, on the pace he looked completely off it yeah. com compared to the opposition that are playing with no disrespect to Bainsford Town of course but yeah now is, now is the time to start him and I think that's the general consensus with everyone they can see it in the 15 minute cameos that he's been the man to, to turn the screw almost and, and you know against Gillingham he did it he came and, st and started against AFC Wimbledon just before Christmas and scored so he was building up to start and then he's had yeah. an illness I think it was a virus at first and then another illness straight after so he's been so unlucky with that and we don't know how long term effect that is of, of, of him so going into Oxford hopefully he'll have the, the week of preparation and, and then we'll, we'll see what he can do from the start yeah okay Sam thank you Frankie sit tight we'll be uh, joining up with you guys again in just a few moments time but first it is time to hear the uh, post-match thoughts of the gaffer Danny Cowley caught up with Ollie Marsh after the full-time whistle at Fratton Park last night well Danny you set up a grandstand finish at the end there but what did you make of that performance overall not good enough we didn't play, you know you have to play for 90 minutes um, we didn't do that I felt um, we had a good way into the game thought we created some chances, didn't get value for the start that we had. Then they scored with, with probably their first attempts on goal. Um, and then our response after conceding um, was, was nowhere near what it needs to be. We have to be more resilient in the moment. Sound like a broken record, but it's the, it's the reality of, of where we're at. That first goal from Charlton, the replay show it was offside. Is that a tough one to take? And the first goal is very, very important um, in any game of football. It's particularly important for us here because when we do concede, we, we struggle with the emotion. But yeah, the referee's the assistant referee has, has made a mistake, and we, we have to we have to accept that as football. Um, I'd rather concentrate on the things I can control, and I don't want to come in here and, and make excuses because the truth is we 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 still had a long time in the game to try to respond to it, and and, and we didn't play well enough. Michael Jacobs was uh, another positive again and he was perhaps unlucky not to start tonight. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, um, he's obviously been self-isolating since, since the Sunderland game, so we only had him available yesterday, um, which meant that it wasn't possible really for him to start. It's very difficult to judge where he was physically and obviously you know, we've prepared all week for this game and he hasn't been involved in some of those tactical preparations. So um, he, he would have started. Um, certainly his performances in recent times have, have warranted a start and I thought, yeah, he was, he was excellent when he came on. What do you take away from this performance to work on going forward? Well, I think, again, we have to look at the psychology when we concede. Um, we have to try to find a way of, of responding better than we did. I thought there was too many players that were erratic today, erratic with their decision making, erratic with their with their execution, and, and ultimately I, I take complete responsibility for that. Aidan O'Brien joined the club earlier today on deadline day. How happy were you to bring him in? 
yeah, really pleased since the moment I've, I, I first spoke to Aidan. He just showed a real energy and enthusiasm and a will to want to be here. And, you know, he comes on a short-term contract. Um, and the fact that he's willing to back himself and, and how much he wanted to play for this wonderful football club really, um, yeah, I liked, I liked the conversations that we had and I'm sure they'll come in and give us uh, another attacking option at the top end of the pitch. Danny Caldybear talking to the uh, club's media team, Ollie Marsh, at the end of the game last night, of course, confirming uh, the signing of Aidan O'Brien on deadline day from Sunderland. We'll come on, we'll hear from Aidan O'Brien in the later part of tonight's show. We'll talk about him uh, in a few moments' time as well. But want to get your thoughts, Frankie, on that post-match interview from Danny Cowley. Clearly uh, a disappointed figure, as he has been rightfully so in recent weeks, not looking to make excuses, we spoke about the uh, the offside goal to to kick Charlton's uh, win off last night. What does Danny Cowley need to do in the training ground this week? Now that the January transfer window has closed, off the back of five matches without a victory in the league, what has he got to do to try and steer the ship back on back on course? It's an incredibly difficult job for him because we're now on on quite a torrid run. We're we're kind of depleted in in a lot of senses. It, with injuries so it's, it's a really difficult job and like you said he sounded like a broken record because whatever he's doing on the training ground and I alluded to this before it just is not translating to the matches and why that is 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 a difficult one to, to put your finger on I think for me there's certain players at this football club that don't necessarily suit a start in the system that he's trying to play I know Ronan Curtis came on and was fantastic yesterday but I don't think we'll see the best out of him again until he plays a, a natural wide position in a 4 2 3 one Harness is starting to drift in and out of games again. So, again, we might need to look at sort of deploying him again on the right side of a 4-2-3-1 because it just isn't working for him in recent weeks. And it, it's, it's just difficult because I know we've brought the players in now to facilitate that 5-3-5-2 sorry, formation, but it's just bearing us no fruit at the minute. And we're not creating chances and we're not getting the best best out of players in those positions. We're, we're not scoring from midfield. And there's there's so many issues that need to be unpicked before we go and play Oxford and I just don't think he's got the time to, to make progress in enough of those departments for, for us to go and get a win on Saturday Is the formation something Sam that you would look in, into changing if you were the man in the dugout for Pompey? I've actually had a little, little look into the stats in terms of goal scoring and, and goals against and Pompey are much better going forward in terms of average goals scored when they play over 3-5-2 but the defence has proved to be too leaky. Whereas on the other hand, four-two-three-one, it's the other way around. Yeah. They're better defensively, but they, they've scored much less goals. So that's the, that's the yeah. problem that he's got to face. But as you say, if it's not not working at the moment in three-five-two, which evidently isn't, no wins in the league since the turn of the year, then it might be time to just switch it up and and, and see. You know, they've they've got the players who can play either either, either formation. You know, Denver Fume, I'll go back to him. Obviously, brought into play left wing back but has played for Sunderland in a back four many times same same with Marlon Romeo on the other side so they've got the players to do so and if that, that formation even just from now to the end of the season gets you the better results and gets the better performances out of those players and there's much reason to to change however from from the signings that we've seen in January I think the indications are he'll stick with the back back three Hayden Carter come in to, to play on the right hand side of the three um, Clark Robertson is returning play on that left-hand side. Obviously, there's Ogilvy yet to come back too. But the players he's brought in, and the areas in which he's he's sort of strengthened and bolstered, look towards yeah. that back three. And I think if Pompey can persist with it and, and try and get out the other side, then of course we're all for that. But for, for the time being, if if results are needed now, and the formation that isn't quite working, then then the four-two-three-one is probably the way to go. Patience is a virtue and something which has been perhaps commonly agreed on this season, Sam, is that maybe this campaign is a transition, a, a rebuild for Danny Cowley, Nicky Cowley. A frustrating transfer window, many would argue, and we'll come on to that in a few moments' time. Is that something we can still stick by between now and the end of the season? Because with the playoffs kind of drifting away now, 11 points Pompey are behind the top six, now just 10 points off of relegation, so I'm not by any means uh, you know, indicating we're going to be in a relegation battle this season, but can you understand some of the frustration as to perhaps why we didn't have a slightly stronger transfer window to try and just go for it this season, even if you know the target isn't necessarily promotion straight away for how long Pompey have been in this division, you can certainly understand why there is a bit of upset at the moment 
Definitely, and I think you can call it a transition season for sure, but I also wouldn't call it a free hit. I don't think it's a season they could just write off and no. say, oh, this is a year we can look towards next year already. Yeah. There's still players in that squad and players in the team that should be within the top eight of this division. There's, there's no doubt about that. So at the moment, they're, they're slightly underperforming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just going to add, no, go in terms of looking at, say, we'll go into the transfer market, yeah. it was clear they needed a centre midfielder, and the fact they didn't get that centre midfielder, didn't push for it, no. probably indicates that they they might just be writing this season off. I don't want to say it, no, I could be completely no. wrong, yeah. but the fact they didn't push those signs, like, like you alluded to, goes to show that they've, they've probably got one eye on next season already, which yeah. is slightly disappointing. We can't go too long, Frankie, in a season without mentioning the name. Um, ben Thompson, as Sam <laughs> mentioned there, Pompeata, a midfielder in this window. Uh, ben Thompson became available, released by Millwall. There was of, obviously the rumours and the reports that the reason for that was because he was going to Gillingham, which ended up true. Ben Thompson signed for Gillingham, signing up with his uh, former manager at Millwall, Neil Harris. That is understandable. Ben Thompson is a player... I think Danny Carley has highlighted it this season. A bit frustrated to, to keep hearing his name pop about. He's not necessarily a Danny Carley type of player, but with the reputation he's got with the fan base, with the, the love and affection that I'd probably say 95% of supporters do still have towards Ben Thompson, would that have been something you'd have hoped or expected the club to maybe turn around and say, look, let's give Ben Thompson a try. He's available on a free. How much can it hurt? I think ultimately the answer is yes. I think Danny Cowley would have been vindicated in his decision not to go after Ben Thompson had we have signed someone else of, of relevant quality because I'm absolutely fine with the fact that his target isn't Ben Thompson. He was a Kenny Jacket signing. Danny Cowley has, has no affiliation to him as a player. that Obviously the club and the fans do, but he's not Cowley's player. He hasn't played in a good chunk of time for Millwall. I'm absolutely fine with the fact if we don't go after Ben Thompson. I do think he was what we needed. I think an element of why we're not performing in the, in our current formation is because, uh, well, basically most of the midfielders at the club, bar Ryan Tunnicliffe, who's obviously spent a long time out injured, aren't necessarily box-to-box. I'd, I'd kind of say Morel likes to operate in deeper pockets and, and play forward. Sean Williams, much the same. And Louis Thompson, I don't think we've seen him at any stage fully fit and raring to see if he is a box-to-box player that can, can chip in with goals and assists. So I think Ben Thompson is a mould of a player that we needed at the football club in the heart of that midfield. And like I say, I would have been fine with the fact we don't go after him if there was a, a viable alternative. And I think it rubs salt in the wound the fact that he came, became available on a free transfer so late in the window and went to a side, no disrespect to Gillingham, but who naturally have much lower aspirations than ourselves. In the deal that we've cut for, for Aidan O'Brien, I don't see why we couldn't have taken a risk and just said to Ben Thompson, OK, you've got six months. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't yeah. work out. He's not He's not going to do an awful job. He's always going to come in and, and make a good account of himself, if not excel like he did last time with the love of the fans. So I don't see why we couldn't have cut a six-month deal. But I think now he is at Gillingham. I think we need to finally just put Ben Thompson to bed because he's obviously not a player that Cowley wants at this club. Well, I'm not sure about that. Not sure about that, Frankie. He's only signed a half-a-season deal out of Gillingham. If they go down, he's not going to be staying in League 2. Please don't stir this up against <laughs> No, we don't need any more, any more of that, but he's out of contract for summer. Um, Carl Westlake on uh, on Facebook, frustrated. I'm going to throw this comment at, back at you, Frankie, and, and get your thoughts on this one. Carl Westlake says, I need to hear you throw the book at the owners. Step up or sell up. What do you think about that one, Frankie? To a certain extent, I definitely agree with that because I think... When you look at the two transfer windows that, that Cowley's had this summer and, and this January, I think there's been a massive amount of miscommunication about what he has to play with. Because you look at the summer and immediately we're, we're reported to be linked to players like Scott Swine, uh, Jaden Stockley, Piggott, players like that. And if you look who we eventually end up with, we ended up taking, I think, two or three of our signings on trial, effectively, in Freeman and, and Ahadmi before we signed them. Took a massive risk on Ahadmi and, and same with Hurst. And I think when you look towards January again, he says, Cowley says he's had a, a positive meeting with the board over transfers, and then we put in a 200000 £300,000 bid for, for Lindsay on on deadline day. It just seemed like it was a token bid to me because, like the Rotherham, like Paul Warren said, what is he going to do with that cash on deadline day? It just seemed to be a token push. And when you look at, you know, again, linked to, to Lewis Wing, 
we can't afford him. He then goes to Wickham, who don't famously operate on a massive budget. You have to start to question it. But I think you also have to question Danny Cowley because ultimately he may have had his his transfer policy skewed by the money the Eisners are willing to put in. But at the same time, he's still responsible for some signings at this football club that I think we could have probably got better for with the wages and with the money we're playing we're paying. Okay, Frank, Frank, thank you very much. Sam, again, we'll be back with you guys in just a few moments' time. Now, Aidan O'Brien became Danny Cowley's fifth and final January signing yesterday afternoon. And in the final part of tonight's show, we will hear from Pompey's deadline day signing, who spoke to the club's media team about how he heard about Pompey's interest and how quickly the move came about. The manager called me and we, we had a good chat and basically he sold it to me as soon as I was on the phone, really. He told me how he saw me fitting into the team and, and I just couldn't wait to get here, really. I, was, I just wanted to get back playing football and um, the manager sold it to me. Stay tuned for the final part of the show. The three of us will be back with the conclusion of the Football Hour after this break. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back for the final time tonight to the Football Hour here on Express FM, driven to you this season by Stagecoach across the South, getting you across the South Coast and through Hampshire with a minimum of fuss. You can download their app now from both the Apple app and Google Play stores. You can plan your next journey and locate your nearest stop as well, as well as also look at the updated timetables, which you can also find on their website, stagecoachbus.com. Okay, tonight I'm joined alongside Frankie Rudland and Sam Cox from the uh, Portsmouth News to review Pompey's 2-1 defeat to Charlton Athletic last night and to also discuss uh, the Blues' January transfer window. I think we've spoken probably just about enough uh, in regards to last night's game, Sam. We've already alluded to uh, a bit about the transfer window as well, some of the frustration coming along from the fan base as well. Let's talk about the deals that were made in January then. Five in and seven out. And we were discussing off air how promising the window was looking towards the start. Pompey offloading a few players who perhaps weren't in in favour at this football club at the time. John Mark was, of course, moving to Lincoln City. Ellis Harrison to Fleetwood Town. Paul Downing uh, on loan to Rochdale later in the window. Lee Brown, of course, moving to AFC Wimbledon. In terms of the recruitment in... Do you think Pompey have done enough to uh, to ensure that they kept some sort of push alive this season? Or do you think they just maybe fallen short of a hurdle a little bit? I think they're one player short. I think when you see, obviously, Miguel Aziz went back, I think that was more out of Pompey's control, really. I think Arsenal were keen to bring him back just because of the, the lack of game time. But I think they're a central midfielder short. I think I like the I like the rest of the business. I really do. I think they've they've signed some really promising some really promising players, some players with immediate quality. Um, but as I say, one one player may be short in terms of really giving the top six a, a good go for the back end of the season. But to to touch on the players they did bring in, I really like the acquisition of Hayden Carter. Proved to be a fantastic defender at Burton last season. Was given a chance by Tony Mowbray in the Championship, and, and by all accounts did very well there. Um, and has been given the chance to, to come down here and, and continue that that um, development. Um, obviously, we haven't seen it quite yet from Tyler Walker, but again, proven in this division. Cowley knows him. Uh, you know, all the decisions they've made in terms of bringing players in made sense, even down to the goalkeeper in Ollie Weber was signed a young keeper in order to allow Alex Bass to go out and, and get experience in the back end of the season before he challenges for the number one shirt in the summer. So, yeah, in terms of the players they brought in, all, all very promising and, and they all made sense to me, but just one player short. But, you know, every transfer window, a manager always says they're two players short even when they, they bring in five players. But in this case, just one central midfielder. And the, the worries that Pompey fans had and, and, and the, the situation we were looking at before the end of the window was what happens if they have an injury to, to a central midfielder and it looks like they're now going to have two for obviously with Ryan Tunnicliffe Cowley said on, to us last Friday that Tunnicliffe's back on the grass but that doesn't necessarily mean he's back ready to, to start and play matches and of course it was quite sad to see what happened with, with Sean Williams yesterday um, being taken to hospital after the, yeah. the collision with, with Clark Robinson so obviously we pass on our very best wishes to him but the, the worries uh, have now come to fruition in terms of central midfielder. They're let now down to Joe Morrell and, and Louis Thompson. And, and the thing with Louis Thompson is, through no fault of his own, can only really play 60 to 70 minutes and, and can only play one game a week. And with the backlog of fixtures that are coming up, yeah. 
you know, it's going to be a, a, an interesting way to see how he manages his minutes. Of course, hindsight is a wonderful thing, Frankie, in, in regards to what Sam's alluding to there. And we do send our wishes to Sean Williams and hope that any sort of injury he picked up last night is uh, as minimal uh, and as short term as possible. Not looking promising from the, the way that he reportedly left Fratton Park uh, in a wheelchair and, uh, and sent up to hospital, according to the words of Danny Cowley. But. You know, heading into deadline day, we've already mentioned uh, Pompey perhaps needing uh, another central midfielder. Uh, I think Sam's hit the nail on the head with Joe Morrell quality signing. Louis Thompson hasn't necessarily got a full 90 minutes in the bank. Sean Williams now appears to be injured. And Ryan Tunnicliffe only recently coming back into some sort of fitness. A central midfielder was, was vital on deadline day. And unfortunately, Pompey have now paid the price with Sean Williams uh, going off with that, with that injury. Yeah, we have. And like you say, first and foremost, aside from the fact it leaves us short of a player and, and aside from whatever you think of Sean Williams, I think every Pompey fan just, just wishes him the best in, in whatever recovery he may have because ultimately some things are bigger than football and his, his health absolutely is. But this is exactly what every single Pompey fan could see coming and this is what was so almost short-sighted from the club not to just get get someone in and again it comes back to the fact that there was players available and deals available to be done in this window just a couple you look at Fraser who went to Charlton Corbin who's gone to MK Dons and, and Thompson who's gone to Gillingham we desperately needed reinforcements and when you look at our squad you've got Louis Thompson who not only can complete 90 minutes but was signed on a pairs you play contract because of his injury record Sean Williams who we've seen again struggles to complete full 90 minutes and, and keep up with the pace of the game even before his injury and then you look at Tannercliffe, he's been injured for most of his time here at Portsmouth and he's had he's had fairly serious injuries before in the past as well. So the indicators were there that we absolutely needed to sign a centre back. That centre mid, sorry, that was an absolute must. And we had so long to do it. It's just the classic thing. I know things move and evolve throughout the transfer window and sometimes you do have to wait for the right player, but you just run the risk of, of what exactly has happened, of completely missing out on any target. And now we're left criminally short. And like Sam says, we've got a, a huge backlog of fixtures coming up. And we're another injury away from having to trust Stuart White or, or Jay Mingy in there when he's when he's back to full fitness. And they may well do a job for us, but they certainly won't propel us towards the top of the table. Yeah, and I've seen a few uh, shouts on social media uh, in the last couple of days, Sam, about, about Jay Mingy and how he could be uh, an unexpected sort of hero for Pompey's season uh, as the season goes on. And again, uh, reported this week within the news as well that Jay Mingy is returning to the grass, returning to the training pitch, and perhaps uh, might be in contention in the next couple of weeks or so. How's that one looking with, with Jay Mingy? Is he someone perhaps that Danny Cowley will call upon now that the transfer window has slammed shut? I know loan deals can go forward in, in, in weeks after the transfer window closes, but could Jay Mingy stay at Fratton Park until the end of the season? It's certainly not out of the realms of possibility at the moment. Like, like you say, with the the injury record and and, and, and the, the lack of bodies in that, that department, uh, and and Mingy's been doing really well at at, at Maidenhead. Um, has, has caught a lot of an interest from the National League. Of course, we reported the news that Wrexham were looking to buy him permanently. Of course, funded by by Hollywood Wrexham. But yeah, yeah he, he's certainly someone who's, who's impressed in that short term um, deal in in the National League. I'm not too sure. You know, obviously situations change with injuries and and, and availability. I'm not sure the immediate view for Jay Mingy was to throw him into the into the first team. I think that the view was to throw him back out on loan to the end of the season. But as you say, if, if he impresses in training and, and needs must then then why not? Why not give him a go? Like you know, the some of the some of the performances we've seen in central midfield have sometimes left a lot to be desired and, and we say with the back backlog of games coming up, you need as many bodies as you can and if they can't bring anyone in like Danny Cowley confirmed to me that he doesn't like to sign free agents at this yeah. period of the season for for understandable reasons they've got to take time to, to get them up to speed. So Jay Mingy's definitely a viable option and he's proven that he can be a good player because he's done it in the National League and of course there's only two divisions below League One. The similarities are there and he wouldn't have that interest from from Wrexham wouldn't have that interest from, from League 2 and, and the National League to take him on over the end of the season so it's definitely an option for Danny Cowley to, to look at when he's back to full fitness yeah OK, then just to uh, recap the uh, January signings Danny Cowley has made uh, this window. Of course, Hayden Carter coming in on loan from Blackburn Rovers. Tyler Walker, the striker on loan from Coventry City. 
Denver Hume on a, on a permanent from Sunderland. Ollie Weber, goalkeeper, young goalkeeper on a permanent deal from Crystal Palace. And of course, Aidan O'Brien on a permanent deal until the end of the campaign. He joined yesterday on deadline day, just a few hours before the window slammed shut. And now we can hear from the uh, former Sunderland attacker. He caught up with Ollie Marsh after putting pen to paper on a deal until the end of the season yesterday afternoon. Uh, it was a mad 24 hours, really. Um, obviously, the manager called me and we, we had a good chat. And basically, he, he sold it to me as soon as I was on the phone, really. He told me about what he wanted, how he saw me fitting into the team and what he thought I was good at and stuff. And he, and he sold it to me over the phone and I just couldn't wait to get here, really. I was, I was, I was just um, I was just itching to kind of get here after the situations at Sunderland, you know. I just wanted to get back playing football and, um, you know, the manager sold it to me, as I said. Yeah, are you coming in with any sort of particular aims or ambitions in terms of what you want to achieve between now and the end of the season? Well, the aim is to get promoted. You know, that's it's, 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 we, we want to get promoted, um, and I want to I want to get back to playing um, and, and scoring goals and getting back to my best. Um, but the, the the main aim is to get promoted. You played in both of the Sunderland versus Pompey games this season, so you've probably seen the best of Pompey and the slightly not so good side of Pompey. Well, yeah, we, I played against you twice this season. Uh, one was obviously. Um, we had to have our armbands on, <laughs> but um, the one uh, when the one at home recently, I only played 10 minutes, and the football you guys play is absolutely the type of football I want to be involved in. Um, you know, you, you, you get it, you get it pop, you get it passing around. You know, you go direct, you you got runners, and you know, got energy, and um, you create a lot of chances. So that's it's perfect for my game. Yeah, just talk to us about your game. What what sort of forward are you? I'm someone who likes to get in behind, someone who likes to uh, get on the ball also, uh, try and mix up my game. Um, I'm someone that kind of likes to sniff out chances and, um, you know, like a little fox around the box at times as well. And I also like to try, try my luck from range as well. So I'm a bit of a, I like to say, a bit of an all-round kind of player, if, I'm, if I do say, um, do say so. But, you know, I, I, the main thing for me is, is working hard for the team, uh, the hard yards and... Um, you know, the, the wins, all that matters at the end of the day, don't they? So um, as long as you get the wins on the weekends, midweeks, that's all that matters. Because sometimes it's difficult to come in halfway through a season, but we were just talking off camera then, and you already know quite a lot of the lads here already. Yeah, obviously I know a few through Ireland, Ronan. Um, I know Bobby, Bobby, um, the physio from uh, being at Mill for so long. I know a lot of the Mill boys that were here before, like Sean Williams, um, Marlon Romeo. Um, I know Denver Hume, I was with Sunderland. Uh, Tanner Cliff, you know, there's there's so many boys that, I've, that I know here already, and um, yeah, it's just refreshing. I, do, I reckon I'll just slot straight in, to be honest. You mentioned uh, playing for Ireland there; that must be really great experience and something that you're hoping for more of in your career. Yeah, that's um, one of the greatest experiences so far in my career. Um, um, playing and scoring for Ireland, my my country, my family, my background. Um, I just I just want to get back playing, really, get back to my full fitness. Um, Full sharpness, scoring goals, assisting, just, just just causing mayhem, you know, for the opposition, and uh, trying to get this team as far as far up the table as possible. With trying to do what I can to help the team when I when I'm called upon, and, and, and you know, hopefully we can get promoted. That's the aim. How do you feel right now in terms of fitness? Are you coming in ready, raring to go? Yeah, of course. I've um, not had as much minutes as I'd liked at Sunderland. Um, which is why I'm here now, you know, because the manager and me, we, well, there's reasons, there's reasons that we don't need to kind of go over. Um, but um, at the end of the day, I was, I wanted to play more, and um, which made me kind of look for a move in the January transfer window. So I'm here now, and um, I want to actually get back playing as much as possible. I feel sharp. I feel fit. I'm training very good when I was when I was in around the team in Sunderland. I'm, I feel good. I feel sharp. Um, so I just want to just bring that into this team and hopefully hit the ground running. Really, that's the, that's that's what I'm looking to do. And in terms of the the players you already know, in terms of familiarity as well, it must be nice to be coming back down south. Obviously, you, you yeah. spent a long time at, at Millwall prior to your time at Sunderland. Yeah, that's another key factor of it. Um, not far from London, where I was born. Um, my family's all there and stuff. So it's. Um, it's going to be. It's, it's a very. It's a very good move for me, you know, um, and I just can't wait to get going. 
Aidan O'Brien speaking to the club's media team yesterday afternoon after he put pen to paper on a deal until the end of the season, signing on a permanent uh, from Sunderland, Pompey's fifth and final signing uh, of the January transfer window. Let's read out some more uh, text tweets and emails before we do leave you in a few moments. Time, Linda Mail on the emails. Uh, very underwhelming transfer window. I think we now have a weaker team than we have had for the last four seasons. Last night they played like a team who had just been thrown together. They did not seem to know what system they were playing and just kept giving the ball away all of the time. Our forward play was so slow compared to Charlton and we didn't start to make any changes until... Uh, any chances, sorry, until the changes were made. And then for 15 minutes we started to at least worry Charlton. But by then... It was too late. Let's hope this team can pull together. There has to be a massive improvement to what we saw last night. Play up Pompey Linda on the emails. Thank you for getting in touch. One final one here from Lee Davies on Twitter. Playoffs are a write-off if we keep performing like we have been. Last night was poor. Football is 90 minutes, not 10 minutes. We come alive from the 80th. Not one shot on target until the 75th minute at home is embarrassing. Uh, Brian, please find us the back of the net. Thank you, Lee, for your tweet this evening. Pompey heading to Oxford United on Saturday afternoon. That game you can catch here on Express FM from 2 o'clock. Myself and Connor Mosley heading up to the Kassam Stadium. Oxford United in action tonight away to Wigan Athletic. A few other games on this evening as well. 7.45s and 8 o'clock kickoffs. If Oxford continue their form, they just beat Gillingham at the weekend, seven goals to two. So not to worry, Pompey fans, but could be another difficult afternoon for the Blues. Sam Cox, uh, thank you ever so much for joining us on the Football Hour this evening. It's been a pleasure to welcome you onto the show and uh, hopefully we'll get you on again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And uh, also to Frankie Rudland back home this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure likewise to have you on, my friend, and uh, have a great week and we'll hear from you again shortly, I, I imagine. Yeah, always a pleasure to come on. Thank you very much for having me. And yeah, cheers. Thank you very much, Frankie. Thank you once again to both of the lads. Uh, like I said then, next game, Saturday afternoon, Pompey away to Oxford United. Catch it here on Express FM from 2 o'clock on Saturday. All the unmissable action. This is Pompey Live. It was a winless January for Pompey as they fell to a 2-1 defeat to Charlton Athletic at Fratton Park. It's loose and it's put in the net. And Charlton have got themselves the lead. But the area towards the near post, it's an own goal. And is he scored? Yes! Charlton have got one back. Next up, a trip to Oxford United to kick off February. Join us for all of the unmissable action Saturday from 2. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. We really do look forward to welcoming you here to Pompey Live for that one. Pompey taking on Oxford United away from home Saturday afternoon. Match day number 28 of this League One season for the Blues. Now on 38 points. Can they get three more and uh, close the gap on the top six? Or will they uh, languish even closer to the dreaded bottom four? Catch us from two o'clock on Saturday afternoon for all of the action of that one. OK, uh, this evening here on Express FM looks like this. Seven o'clock, right after the news. Jeff and Ada back with the soft rock show. Of course, that one also scheduled originally for last night. But due to the football, has been put back to this evening. Jeff and Ada have got the latest by Stephen Foster and Howler, as well as uh, looking back at music from this week in history, which includes Paul Simon, Asia and Lemon Pipers as well. Non-stop express music from 9 through until 11 this evening. Just great songs all evening long. And then the express wind down to complete your day. 11 through until the early hours of Wednesday morning. Nicola Lashley is back from 6.30 tomorrow, waking Portsmouth up uh, with the express rewind from 9 o'clock as well. Gloria Miller back from 10 through till 1. And then your next football fix tomorrow evening from 6 through till 7. Henry Deacon hosts over the white line here on Express FM. Thank you, Pompey fans, for tuning in. Have a great evening and enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you on Friday night from 6. Take care and play at Pompey. Good night.